0: If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire, and so we come together. Join us, join the discussion, welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 153 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 30th over on Twitch.tv slash Focus Fire Chat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the Black Armory and Forges. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week and the holidays treated you so far?
1: It has been a bit of a roller coaster, to be honest. Um, And this episode is going to kind of reflect that a tiny bit, just because there's been some things that normally I do that I wasn't able to do because of a kind of a crisis in the family um the holiday itself went really really well julie and i went up to a ski resort essentially we didn't stay at the resort but we went up to some hot springs by the resort and spent christmas kind of together just the two of us which was really really nice and then got back and had a friend of the family have a heart attack and so i've actually been dealing with um, going to the hospital a lot the last couple of days uh, since about Thursday and she is a little bit of an older woman who has a very specific type of thing that happened for the heart attack. It's not your typical uh, clogged artery type thing. She has the lining of the wall of her artery basically started unzipping, hmm. which is super, super rough and hard to fix. But Anyway, it's been a little hectic, so I don't have question of the week this week and I also don't have a summary because of spending so much time working on that and basically frustrated and praying about that the whole time. But yeah. Other than that, it's been a pretty decent week.
0: Yeah, no. And I know we we've been I know you we were chatting about that. I think was it yesterday we were chatting about how everything was going. So, as as Same, same, same thing that we were saying yesterday, though, you know, prayers and thoughts and let us know, let any one of us know if there's anything we can do, obviously, to, to help out with that, because that's not, that's never any, any medical situation like that, you know, just never, never, never fun, never fun.
1: fun. Yeah, it's just stressful for everybody involved.
0: Right. yeah oh yeah i can i can only imagine too because well and it also yeah i mean the it being a specific like you guys know what it is but there's not really like that both helps and hurts a little bit i think is the weird like it puts right. it in a weird position too
1: yeah and there's just there's a lot of kind of um uh, things that you wish you could have said beforehand to help right prevent it even though theoretically you couldn't help prevent it. Yeah. But I don't know. Just ups and downs with it.
2: Man. All right. Yeah, say hindsight is twenty twenty after all is said and done.
0: Right. Oh yeah. Well, real quick, round, rounding out the usual team, we have our good buddy, the lore content cop, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how how are you doing? How has the holidays been for you? Um is it over? <laughs> Almost nearly got nearly over. it's really about to days. get it's really about to get bad tomorrow <laughs> uh, and, what it's like the and, last weekend of the year i know a lot of places are doing tax free sales what? Uh, what wait
1: do they do that thing yeah, yeah man they, i just that's
0: yeah. i just got a couple things i the only reason i know that is cuz i just went in to get i had to get a new tv screen cuz my tv screen finally like after seven and a half, eight years, the TV finally just went bleh and died. Huh. So I had to go get a new one. And I, um, while I was there, uh, we went to Nebraska Furniture Mart, which, by the way, is like the biggest trap for me ever. Um, <clears throat> it just it is. I like I go in, and I'm usually not allowed to go in without an adult accompanying me, mainly my wife. Because I'll walk uh-huh. out with stuff like I walked out today. Uh, I walked in to get a TV, uh, and I walked out with a TV, a new monitor, and a vacuum cleaner. Um, but the nice thing is I don't have to pay super high taxes on it. And it's all financed because they're doing their big final end-of-the-year push, really. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah.
2: It's a, It's about that time of the year. Everybody's and and granted, it's going to carry over a little bit with January, February, but like mm-hmm. right now, it's about the best time because everybody's getting ready for like newer products to be put in stores, etc. Well, that it's and everyone true, just had
0: I, everyone just had the holiday influx of cash, right? You know, yeah, For for, for those who got reason. the gifts, yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, and uh, I had seen something earlier. Granted, of course, I follow phone news because, of course, I do. Um, but the uh, the big thing I saw was, like, the Galaxy series of phones from this year went on, like, a huge price mm-hmm. crash. Yes. Uh, yeah, they Which did. I find kind of funny because they're either trying to give them out and get rid of them for another model, which could double... Might actually double solidify the thought that the Note uh, 11 might be coming earlier than anticipated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yay! Uh, anyway. I am. Well, and after okay. the problems they had with the the eight or the what is it the seven the, the seven, uh, seven. Was the really not the bad seven one. no, but the uh, sports the Sport eight. Um, oh, my, the, my sister the active, had the charge. Yeah. yeah, the the active one, the charging thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Like mm-hmm. apparently um,
0: the char- yeah apparently the charging port on the active eight just doesn't it just stopped working.
2: Yeah, it doesn't hold up well, but that's pretty common for early USB-C, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so. don't
2: get me started on phones; I'll be here all night. <laughs> um, but yeah. Otherwise, uh, the holidays went pretty well. I, uh, I have, my biggest gift actually was a was a Switch.
0: Nice.
2: nice. Yeah. Well, I haven't necessarily had the funds to do so, but uh, I was surprised uh, Christmas Day with that, and I was just like, "Oh wow, this is uh nice." Not what I expected. Did you get any games? Um, yeah, with it? it was. Uh, I did. I they ended up getting me uh, Super Smash Brothers. Nice, uh, nice. And they got me uh, Let's Go, uh, Let's Go Pokemon the Eevee ver- uh, version. Oh, you got Eevee? Uh, yep. And I ended up getting uh, earlier though, which is kind of ironic. We had uh, Starlink on sale, which is basically an Ubisoft space fighter that they came out with for the for all the consoles. Uh, but they have the Star Fox version that was on the Switch, uh, so oh, I ended up picking it up. Okay. But mainly because it had the R Wing with it,
0: otherwise yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have probably
2: bothered. But it was just kind isn't... of ironic because all of a sudden I had the Switch and I had that.
0: Isn't that the one that has? It's like the Skylanders type thing. Like it's got the little sort action of. figure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was looking yeah, at there was something on the, the ship,
2: like yeah. on the fly, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can actually take pieces on and off from the ships themselves, and oh, it'll wow. actually reflect that in game. Uh, but it's like an insta swap kind of idea. You dock the Joy Cons into this uh, controller base, and you have a, a pilot that you seat in. Mm-hmm. You have a mm-hmm. ship you put over top of it, and then you have up to two weapons that you place on it too. Uh, and the cool thing with the R wing, they actually have a uh, they have it where it'll just shoot regular. Uh, the the standard laser blasts that it does out of Star Fox, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, if you don't have anything equipped,
0: huh? Yeah, because I was like, I was at like, like I said, I was at Nebraska Furniture Mart today, and they had one of the mm-hmm. the uh, the controller adapters for the Xbox. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, what in the? Because it's got you're, you're exactly what you're saying. It's got like two tier, like it's just crazy looking. You put it yep. on top of the Xbox controller, and it slides all these like little mini things. And I was like, I was, I, so that's yeah. Curio- I was curious about what that exactly was. That's really kind mm-hmm. of cool. Yeah.
2: And the game itself isn't uh half bad either, and uh in now that I get that all out there. Uh it's a it's a very standard open world game. Uh it's obvious that the biggest gimmick is just like the the controller and being able to like customize the ship and level up and so on. Uh I also wasn't expecting that there was gonna be like a whole ton of uh, Stuff going on with Star Fox. No, they actually have an entire story-based turntable. Oh wow! Uh, which is like more respect than what Nintendo has given that character in years. Which is terrible of me to say, but also truthful of me to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very surprised with what Ubisoft did. Uh, I'm I'm kind of anxious to play that one a little more. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh it's a lot of fun. Uh, nice. but Smash is just an absolute blast. So I ended up picking up uh, Zelda then too a little later.
0: Uh, the, uh, Breath, of the Breath of the Wild is just Wild, freaking
2: yeah. beautiful.
0: Yeah, I was looking at uh Smash. They found. Did you see the glitch with the infinite Luigi's? Or, yeah. No, the, they also is it infinite? Is it Luigi or is it Waluigi? Waluigi. What, yeah. They okay. also
2: have a uh, another glitch with um, what's his name with villager. Uh, where you can actually uh, crash the game by <laughs> pocketing things too much uh, and actually like playing catch back and forth. After a while, it gets
0: too powerful and it just shuts down the engine. Oh. Uh. So before we get completely sidetracked there's there's guys i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i i told i told uh beard and green this earlier before i went before i left for vacation but xbox game pass has just blown it out of the water this this month and then it sounds like in january they're bringing even more stuff on like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm not joking i got I mean, I, geez, man, I am so set for solo games that I'm, I'm so happy. So if you guys, mm-hmm. you know, if you guys haven't checked out, if you're on the Xbox platform and if you haven't checked out Game Pass, I definitely would encourage, you know, at least giving it a glance, um, really, really cool app. And I think they're kind of doubling down on it this next year. So that's yeah. going to be, a, that's going to be really cool too. Well, they're
2: they're getting set for their new systems as well because I think right, that's going right. to be a big thing I've on the just, horizon. I've started hearing
0: it, all the murmurs of that.
2: Yeah. In addition to that, like it sounds like a good majority of uh, everything is going to be more like cloud based or backwards based or etc. Mm-hmm. So, the, which is nice, especially with yeah, well, especially with most systems that we have today being based on x86 anyway. Uh, it's going to be easy for backwards compatibility to be more of a thing, which will be great.
0: Yeah. So before we get distracted by, like I said... Next week, we'll be talking about a game that's not Destiny, but this week, we're going to try to focus back on Destiny. Um, so let's run through... I uh, say,
2: can you guys tell that we like haven't been able to talk to each other for oh a man. week pretty heavily? Has it,
0: has it, has, <laughs> is it obvious? Is it obvious I have been yeah. not, without internet for a week? Um, <laughs> uh, so I know everyone is looking forward to diving into the discussion, especially since this is a pretty new topic uh, in Destiny. So let's run through our standard intro notes, and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed Mara Sov. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out focusfirechat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate, and if you can, leave a review. of The show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay on the charts, which helps others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the extra lore topic for December, Dishonored. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links of that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. Before we jump into the information and thoughts the community had about the Black Armory and Forges, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. (laughs) Lost Lore Alright, so for last or blah, blah 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 for Lost Lore not last lore, lost lore. Uh I figured we'd probably uh kind of look at the mythology in the name, which is going to be kind of in full disclosure, gonna be discussed in detail in general in this episode, but just I wanted to run through a quick summary, I guess, real quick. On that, And so this is really focusing down to on the forges. So we'll be talking about the Black Armory here in a second, but the forges in particular, and I'm just going to run through them really quick uh, alphabetically. And we'll get like I said, we're going to get we're definitely going to get into detail more with the mythology a little bit here. But for the first one is, so we have basically, we have about, what is that? Four, four forges, four forges. Wow. Say that five times fast. Mm-hmm. Four forges. And then we have the additional, it's not a forge. It's kind of like a, I think they're introducing it as kind of like a dungeon type thing and Niobe labs. Uh, we're going to talk about the Niobe labs cause that's actually really important to black armory and the forges as well. Uh, so to kind of go back, the forges are Burgussia, Gofanon, uh Ison Isonomy, and Vol uh, So the interesting thing for me that I kinda of, and I kinda of geeked out about this before I went, like I said, before I went dark for holiday, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of mythology here, and I'm gonna actually try to include information links. Most of them I actually they actually have some really good articles over on Britannica. Um for these particular uh, mythological figures. And so I'll be including those links in our show notes on the website. So definitely if you guys are, have any interest in some of the, the etymology or the semantics of this particular piece, definitely check those out. Um, But real quick uh, to kind of walk down, we have two Celtic deities, a Norse deity, a, a Japanese or a Shinto deity, and then a Greek deity. And Actually, of the two Celtics, one, or no, yeah, one of them, uh Gofanon, no, wait, no, wait, 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 I back that up. Volunder is not the deity, Uh and that's the Norse one. So, Bergusia Burgus, is actually the one that we don't have a lot of information on, and this is actually arguably because we don't have any, we only have, I believe, one historical reference for this, and for this entity. Um and so Bergusia is believed to be a Celtic goddess uh who was connected to a god named you Eu- I'm going to butcher this name, eusitius Uh and these were both w- worshipped in Alesia and Burgundy. Uh now eusitius was a male figure who was shown bearing a hammer while Bergusia was portrayed as a goddess of prosperity. And the real connection here to the forges is because this was all found, this location of this image was on an urn that was found in a pile of rubble that was believed to have been a stock of metalsmiths. Uh, Though they do also think that it could possibly have been a sanctuary for the local what's called craft deities. Uh, Craft deities were basically exactly what they kind of sound. They're kind of like house gods in the Roman era. But for the Celtics, they they kind of focus more on specific crafts, so metal smithing and forging and prosperity, which would be like farming and stuff like that. That's kind of a craft deity. Uh, Gofannon, real quick, is actually the Welsh equivalent of a Celtic smith god. Uh, that smith god, I'm again going to butcher this name, is Gobin Huni, uh, which is translated into divine smith. We're going to talk about him. In quite a bit of detail when we get to him, because there's there's actually quite a bit of information about him. Um, but he, so the the connection there is obviously he was an actual god of the smith, which is a type of forge. Uh, to jump to is Iz- uh, actually Deej and Bife actually talked about this, I believe, earlier this week. Uh, they kind of mentioned this. Um, it Igen- goes izanami is a part of a couple uh is izanami and is Iza, is a naggy i think is how you pronounce that the japanese Izanagi, i think Izanagi. is okay
2: to it i'll i'll see if i can get better pronunciation on that, yeah, so that chat about right. chat
0: chat just just gave me the best thing a a craft deity is the blue collar gods i love that that's actually <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate um so yeah. uh izanami is translation is uh, she who invites and izanagi is he who invites uh their full names are izanagi no mikoto and izanami no mikoto uh and they are actually central deities in the japanese creation myth and we'll be getting into getting into a little bit of detail about that as well later uh and then that brings us to valunder uh valunder is actually not a deity Vlunder is a figure who shows up in the Poetic Edda uh, as a legendary master blacksmith. So he he is he is a, for lack of a better word, he is a mortal. Uh, I guess he could kind of be construed as a demigod in a way because of some of the things that he does. But basically, he is a, a one of three brothers. Uh, who were the sons of a Finnish king. And the big thing that they did was he was he was a master blacksmith, which in the Norse world is a very, very important thing, because obviously it was a very war, war centric culture. Um, and each one of him, uh, him and his two brothers each married a Valkyrie and. Uh, so the big thing there was that was a very big honor for them. Uh, however, those, those wives were kidnapped. And there is a big story uh, that Vlunder uh, and his brothers Eagle, Egil and slagfjor I think is how you pronounce his other, his other brother's name. Uh, so Egil and Slagfjord actually pursued their wives and Vlunder stayed behind uh, to await for his wife's return. Uh, and while he was waiting, he he went through a number of process or projects in which he uh, fashioned 700 rings from red gold and strung them up on uh, ropes. And then there's this huge, huge story of how he kind of was tortured. He was captured and then tortured and then kind of had his revenge um, and created these mass or these like masterful kind of inventions in order to enact his revenge upon the people who were not just hurting him, but hurting his his family. Uh it's a, actually it's very Norse, it's very violent, uh, but we will kinda get into that a little bit too because he's actually really kinda I, I actually had a lot of fun digging into his story. Um Oh, sorry, Dino is uh saying on the Izanagi and Izanami uh, that is the, there is a quote that is attributed to, uh, I believe it's Izanagi said that I will see 1000 people die per day and Izanami responded with, well, then I will see 1500 people born a day or I will see, you know, or, you know, whatever. However, so they're, they were kind of, they're, they're kind of a yin and yang, uh, dark and light kind of composition. Um, well, and with I'll go for it it, go for too it.
2: within within a lot of uh japanese uh or realistically in a lot of uh asian uh or East Asian culture, the idea of like the yin and yang and so on is pretty commonplace right. if you will, yeah. or at least balance is very commonplace uh another one that is also fitting of that story, which I kind of reminded myself of as well, is the uh the stories of the two legendary swords. Uh, Masamune and uh, Masamune. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those actually are very calculated in the same way of like dark versus light, uh, and how one of them, uh, e- each, if placed, if you're not familiar with the, the story behind them, when placed inside of a uh, river, one would, and I can't remember which, but one would chop the leaves that it would come in contact with, uh, the other would uh, cause them to just go around it. So one was the Heaven's Blade, the other was the Devil's Blade, uh, but it was just—it's a, a very common signifier within a lot of like East Asian story writing.
0: Yeah, and their and their their story also—it's—it's it's a creation myth, uh, for for the I believe it's the Shinto. Or yeah, the, yeah, the Shinto, um, and so the creation myth is is very detailed it's it's very you know extravagant which is very common for a lot of uh creation myths um and i'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna try to figure out if we have some time i'm gonna i actually kind of want to talk about it and maybe read uh the excerpts that we got from that i have from botanica about it because it's a Mm -hmm. it's a really fascinating story um Mm -hmm. But really quick, uh, just to kind of finish up summaries, uh, Niobe was the daughter of Tantalus uh, and was the wife of the king of Thebes, Amphion. Uh, She was actually, she's arguably the prototype of a bereaved mother. Um, So, and this is all coming from the Iliad. uh, She had basically 12 children, six sons and six daughters, and kind of made the the mistake of boasting about her her superiority to a titan leto uh, who was the mother of the twins apollo and artemis and well because of that because they she offended their mother apollo killed all of neobe's sons and artemis killed all her daughters uh, which then led to uh, Niobe kind of being the, like I said, the prototype of the bereaved mother, the 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 kind of just the sorrow and the the rending of grief, um, and and so there there's a lot of connections there with Niobe and what the project Niobe actually is built around and what the Niobe Labs, from what we can tell so far from what we have in game, is kind of involved with. Uh, but so that's kind of a quick summary of those different things. And like I said, I, I didn't want to get too far into depth with them just yet because I want to have some stuff to, to go over later in the episode, but I did want to give a big shout or a big nod to the mythology and those names because it's, there's a lot of, a lot of in-depth stuff there. Um, I don't think I missed anything. Do you guys, did you guys have anything else that I... Should go over in the summary before we dive into the the actual black armory
2: uh just more to to highlight that yes, there may have been some distinctive quotes between like uh Izanami uh I know I'm butchering the pronunciation on it and whatnot uh and Izanagi, but the largest thing is basically about the creation myth, which ties back largely to black armory like heavily so. Uh, and, of course, we're going to find out why here, if you're not familiar, very quickly. Uh, but just to, to re-highlight some things, since that kind of got a little muddied for us here through mm-hmm. chat and whatnot, uh, that the creation mythos is the the main factor within most of these. And, and granted, with most of the forges, that's the, uh, the base idea with uh, a lot of... Uh, A lot of the forges is is just the idea of creation because what do you do within a forge you create Mm -hmm. uh one is possibly for death one is more for for life and so on so just something else to kind of keep in mind as like an overall as we talk about like what a forge is all about or what the uh what the black armory's main goals may have been even if it it started uh started that way and maybe shifted uh things needed to to alter but anyway uh, creation is not simple, nor is death. That is all. Moving on.
0: Yeah, no, and, and especially, uh, and Green and I are kind of chatting that real quick too, Norse, like the the three kind of cultures that we're seeing here, which is the Norse, the Celtic, actually the four, Norse, Celtic-ish, uh, Greek, and then the Japanese, all these cultures are very, very sophisticated in their mytho- mythos. So, you know, kind of... It's it's difficult to kind of give a summary because each of these summaries will then tie into another mythology or another myth and, you know, that ties into another myth, which is the equivalent of another myth. And, you know, there's there's just like it's all knotted together in this really complex weave which is the beauty of mythos, like that's the beauty mm. of mythology in general. But as you get cultures that are more and more sophisticated, especially like the Japanese, the Greeks, um, and even to a degree the Norse, which is largely kind of I think oversimplified in a lot of people's minds. The Norse had very complex cultures. Same with the yeah. Celtics. The Celts had an immensely complex culture. Um, yeah, they weren't but, just
2: Vikings, Rar.
0: No, they and and, and the, I think the I think the miss. The misunderstanding there is that they were a largely vocal culture where the others, you know, thankfully, uh, well, we didn't go through dark ages as harshly with the Japanese culture. Uh, The Greeks kind of did a little bit, but not to the not to the extent that the European area did. But the the information that we have retained from that is is complex, even more so because we don't have full you know the full story. Uh, you know we were. I was actually listening to a, a podcast earlier these this last week that I had saved uh, that was talking about the mythos of Loki. And the problem with these myths is that for those particular cultures, we only have one or two sources really to kind of pull from, uh, and and that makes it very difficult to kind of delve too deeply, uh, especially since these. Particular sources are referencing other sources that we don't have access to, so there were other sources we just don't have them because they've been you know they've been destroyed, uh, which is really really sad. But so there's there's also that type of degree that there is these are very complex cultures in reality, and so some of the mythology that we're going to be talking about you know here and throughout the episode as well is going to be grossly oversimplified. Um, And I really encourage, if you have any interest in, like, diving into these more, I, like I said, I'm going to put the Britannica links that I was able to find for the forge, the names in the forges. Um, And please feel free to shoot us an email or a message over on Discord or Twitter if you want to, you know, continue the dive into a particular subject or, you know, you want to talk about the connections to other myths. I think any one of us would absolutely love to have that conversation. Um, but real quick, <clears throat> so to introduce the black armory, uh, we kind of get a really good explanation or, or a really good summary Uh, from a piece of equipment called the Woven Firesmith Boots. Uh, This is actually a piece of armor that belongs to the Hunter armor set, which is the Woven Firesmith armor set. Uh, But the boots, we see a quote that says, the black armory represents the ingenuity and tenacity of humanity. We do not bend easily and we will not surrender our home while drawing breath. Uh, And and we also have this quote that we've seen quite a bit of uh, in a lot of the posting from Bungie itself where it's reclaim, reignite, reforge. So there's a lot of, a lot of emphasis put on the forge, this, this, you know, creation, this reignition, the reignition of these forges, you know, igniting a forge. And, and that kind of begs us
2: to go back and get an igniter repaired,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, which I mean, well, and that kind of begs the question of, you know, what are the forges? Well, mm-hmm. before we can talk about that, we really kind of need to talk about what is the black armory? And the Black Armory really kind of is a, it was a group of humans uh, who tried to prepare without the help of the Traveler. So we saw this already a little bit with the Awoken, right? We saw this with Yang Wei. So similar in nature to those humans who were on the Yang Laue, these people actually stayed on Earth instead of fleeing. Uh, The founders of the Armory saw humanity's response to the arrival of the Traveler as one that was really much too naive. And they saw the life that it led or that that response led to as what they would refer to as comfortable complacency. They had a basically they had a problem with letting the means to defend themselves reside in the hands of something as alien and unknown as the Traveler. And so they they basically got together uh, and d- decided that they were going to create a group that would create the means to defend themselves against attack. Uh, because obviously there are aliens out there that the the presence of the Traveler confirmed. And not all those aliens might be friendly, which, you know, we kind of, that was confirmed. Uh, it's, so it's very similar to Rasputin's ideals, uh the founders of the Black Armory are really three individuals that we kind of find through the works of the Black Armory papers. And really quick, Black Armory Papers, we're not gonna delve too far into them. Uh in this episode, I'm gonna I actually have an episode or a topic on the poll to dive specifically into the Black Armory Papers because that story is much more focused on Ada. Um than necessarily the overall armory as a as a uh, I don't want to say political group but like a a faction I guess would be the best mm-hmm. word for it. Um, so so we will be referencing the papers but we're not going to probably get into too much detail as far as the papers. Mm-hmm. Um. So first up, the the first person who you should probably be familiar with as far as the Black Armory is Henriette. Uh, This is the initial founder of the Black Armory, and she was the mother to a girl or a daughter. Her daughter was Adelaide, whose transformation is actually the sole point of the Black Armory papers. That's really the focal point of the Black Armory papers. The next individual who you should probably recognize or that you should keep in mind is Yuki, who is an engineer who basically was the Black Armory science and mechanics uh, specialist. So she was kind of the, the individual who everyone kind of came up with the ideas and then they brought them to Yuki and she was the one that kind of figured out how to make those ideas reality. Mm -hmm. And then the final person is Helga. And this is going to be Beard's favorite person because Helga was a former employee of Clovis Bray. Uh, (laughs) Also the
1: one that tends to piss everybody off apparently too.
0: Yes. And, but, but to, but, but the reason why she pisses everyone off is because she serves as the black armory's business manager. Um, and so her job was to kind of go out and get business for the Black Armory and to kind of make sure that they were they were they were a business and they were profitable. And sometimes the decisions or the 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 ideas that she came back with, Henriette and Yuki might not necessarily agree with. Uh, one of those instances was actually the project known as Project Niobe, uh, a crucial part of project Niobe was actually the idea of bringing exoscience back to earth uh because we have confirmation from i believe it's the uh which is the ship uh that basically helga was the person who kind of was playing the intermediary between the black armory and clovis bray so helga wanted to take the technology that they had at black armory and marry it up with the the um the exoscience advances that Clovis Bray had in order to create a device known as the Obsidian, um, I just blanked, Obsidian Accelerator, uh, which we'll get into just a little bit. But that was all of Helga's kind of main project. Uh, and so that project was Project Niobe. And so the other, we had a couple of cool little confirmations there. First off, uh, exos were not being created on Earth. Until Project Neobi and the Neobi Labs, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing, um, and then second off, Black Armory actually was on a on a level that Clovis Bray seems to have some respect for them, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and not not respect in so far as like oh they're they're you know friendly towards him, but respect as like they were actually bartering with them to do business with them instead of just buying them out forthright. So that kind of gives you an idea as far as like a business model that Black Armory was actually able to stand on its own pretty well to not be bought out.
2: Also, seemingly relying on uh, Clovis Spray to a point, or at least showcasing that Clovis was such a large integrated faction for security throughout the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there were a couple things that were sort of referenced with that too within the papers.
0: Right. And. And the thing is, is like there there was a lot of kind of uh murmuring back and forth between I think it's Henry Henriette and Helga about, you know, uh the expansion, the speed of expansion yeah. that the Black Armory was seeing. Um okay. because and we see this especially in the papers, because Henriette is kind of lamenting how open they were with humanity and how they shouldn't have trusted yeah. humanity and all this stuff. Um but yeah, that's kind of my my kind of introductory summary of Black Armory and the the founders. Was there anything else you guys wanted to dive into before we kind of jumped into the forges?
1: I mean, they were making these weapons to help humanity stave off without with the help of Guardians. Or at least that's what it turned into eventually.
2: Yeah, I gotta say it was. Uh, I've I've always attributed Dido as like the. Uh, the four, or the the manufacturer that uh, helped with a lot of civilian-made equipment. Oh, and here it kind of turns into a beard. Uh, Black armory being that kind of individual or that build.
1: The beard. And yes. Did you see the crates that are in the black armory room in the tower?
2: Yes, I saw them. Okay. I mean, Dido in general is just prolifer- uh, proliferated all over the place within the tower. Specifically, uh, but typically they're in there, yeah, but there are a few that are otherwise elsewhere within the hangar and so on but mm-hmm. I do find it funny that they are actually kind of together uh but of course that comes down to some spin foil and so on uh but anyway I will uh I'll actually get to a special bit of spin foil that I have on the forges themselves in terms of construction uh once we get to that portion but uh mm-hmm. several things kind of lead me to believe why the black armory itself needs to also uh operate without clovis sprays uh influence and i think that that comes down to some past series that of course have been more of an overarching of recent as well especially ever since warmind but uh anyway yeah i i don't know i've i've actually found myself like really intrigued with the black armory as a whole uh, it's it's easily, I think, one of the best expansion pieces of material we've had in a long time. Uh, and it's not even like full-blown expansion, which I find absolutely wonderful. Uh, so big props to to Bungie for this story, because just in general, I've been enjoying it.
0: So we want to jump into the forges? Let's do yep, it. Um, good thing. Okay. So, real quick, what is a forge? Uh, for those who might not know, forge is basically uh, the equivalent of a smithy, uh, which probably if you don't know what a forge is, that's probably not going to make it any clearer. Uh, which, so a smithy or a forge, it's a furnace or a shop with a furnace uh, where basically you take metal, you heat it up, and you r- r- basically rot it into something. Uh, so you it's usually a workshop where iron is produced or where iron is made malleable and then made into things. Think of a blacksmith that is going to be your most obvious thing. The tools that a blacksmith uses, that big bellows that lights a fire and they put the metal in and then they pour it into a crucible, you know, all these different things that is going to be the forge, um, The other thing, though, is that forge is often, it's it's a bit of a a, uh, a word that has a lot of different meanings, right? So you have the forge that you actually make metal and you make metal malleable. Uh, To forge something also means to form something such as metal uh, by heating or hammering uh, or to form something by a mechanical or hydraulic process or press without, with or without heat. So you don't necessarily need heat to forge something. Uh, And... The final one that I kind of want to bring up is to forge something also means to form or bring into being something, especially by an expenditure of effort, which kind of ties into how we interact with the forges. We kind of expend effort. I think that would be a pretty accurate term or pretty accurate explanation of how you ignite the forges. Right. Would you guys agree with that?
1: With the little charge orbs that you have to throw at it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, more, more about the effort that is put into it.
1: I mean, yeah, there's effort.
0: <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking of the first, the first forge and everyone's, everyone's effort to get that one initially lit. Um,
2: yeah, I find it funny that it only takes like 20 minutes now to get a weapon. From oh yeah, the other, now, yeah, now,
0: now that everyone's figured it out, yeah. Um, so that kind of brings us into the different forges. Uh two of which have actually been are actually located on Exodus Black. I believe that is the Go Fanon and the Izanami forges are on Exodus yeah. Black. Um which funny that <laughs> Anyway <laughs> Uh Bergusia where where was Bergusia? Do we have that one act we have access to uh, that one, right? No. Is that okay? The that's the that final eight. one. That's the final one. Yes,
1: yeah, okay, that's cool. the one we don't have yeah. yet.
2: Okay, okay perfect. The last one that I know we don't, and then of course, we've got Niobe, but Niobe's a little
0: Niobe's a opening on one, but that's the that's January 8th, right?
2: Yeah, okay, I think perfect. So. And then Valunder, yeah. right. Uh, Vlunder was the, the first. currently on on yes. Earth, yeah. Okay, so okay, Vlunder is
0: like on members. Earth. Perfect. Okay,
1: Velunder's cool. Vlunder in the EDZ. Gafanon is in the Artifacts, or is it Artifacts Edge?
2: Edge? Yeah.
1: On Nessus. And then Izanami is in the, is not the Hollows. What is it? It's also uh, on Nessus.
2: Yeah, I forget now where it is. So I can look it up here after I'm done killing Thyrodon. Um... But the yeah there there's the two that were on black uh, Exodus, Exodus black, black which is right freaking ridiculous to me um,
0: well but it confirms that Black Armory was in cahoots with the Exodus project
2: uh huh which, which also I mean makes me wonder about a certain other ship uh,
0: mm-hmm. anyway right but I mean it also does also make sense if you think about what the Exodus project was doing right. They right. would need a weaponsmith. Like, that makes perfect oh, sense. Yeah. You have SIVA to build stuff and a forge to create things that you would might need to defend yourself. Because you don't know where you're going. Right. Uh, I mean,
2: never mind the fact that, you know, don't read anything into, like, how Hammerhead is built or how freaking Kindled sh- Orchid is built up or anything sh- like that at all, either. Don't, don't,
0: sh- It's okay, Pierce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I'm having I'm having slight I've
2: been having like uh I find it very particular and funny. Now granted Thunderlord was a very popular uh LMG of course back in the day. But the fact that they did bring that one back mm-hmm. and they tied it in with the Black Armory in some way. Uh, I think that was more on purpose than anything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really really think so. Anyway. It's going to it's gonna be really easy to get me down the rabbit hole with this one because, like well, I said, and, Black Armory is, like, really, like, it, it turns some gears, that's for sure.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that's kind of the point, too, right, is that this mm-hmm. is a mysterious faction. We don't know a lot about the Black Armory by design. Um, yeah. And so I, I find well, and that's to, also fascinating in, in and of itself.
2: To top, of course, we've also got all the... Uh, all of the stuff that's related back to it thanks to like the collapse and whatnot mm-hmm. as well so right right i think that's our that's my b- biggest uh ticking point is just oh we have information on that now again finally um
0: uh, so real quick uh Bergusia, we kind of already i kind of already pretty much gave you the information that we have about burgussia uh that's all from <laughs> yeah. that i mean literally that's in reality that is the information we have about Ber- the the term burgussia um, yep. she was a Celtic goddess, uh, believed to be the consort of, uh, a Celtic God who went by the name of Eusictus. Um, they were worshipped. Both of them were worshipped in Elysia and Burgundy. Uh, and basically the, the only appearance of these two were on an urn, uh, that was found within a, basically a pile of rubbish in an underground room. Uh, so this is all coming from uh, Wikipedia. Actually, has this listed, but it's quoting back to the Dictionary of Celtic Myth and Legend. Uh, so I will hmm. include that link. I don't. I try really hard not to quote Wikipedia, but actually, that was actually one of the best ones. I tried to find the actual quote from the Dictionary of Celtic Myth. I couldn't get access to it, sadly, um, to get a link. So if you guys have that link, please let me have it because I would love to actually read into see if there is actually more information on that one. Um, I also find it accurate because Bergussia is the one that we don't have access to, and we don't know really anything about in game as well. So you know, yeah. I find that kind of appropriate. Um, it's like go things fin-
2: are on purpose
0: or something. Yeah, it's like, oh man, it's like these were thought out storyboard. Uh, uh, what
2: about storyboarding? Is that really <laughs> what, a thing? What, do people what? do that? <laughs>
0: Uh, Gofannin So, Gofanon, like I had mentioned, is a Welsh name for the Celtic smith god Gobinu. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, it translates into divine smith. Uh, Gofanon uh, was figured in Irish tradition as one of a trio, a divine tra- craftsman. The other two were Luchja, the Rite, and Crideen the metalworker. Uh, Gofanon was also the provider of the sacred otherworld feast, which was known as the Fled Gobinhin. Uh, he allegedly brewed a special ale that was thought to confer immortality to those who drank it. Uh, later in Christian times, he became known as Goban Sair, Goban the Joiner, uh, who was a legendary builder of churches and other structures. And as such, he is still remembered in modern Celtic folk tradition. Uh, the Welsh equivalent, Gofanan, was actually figured in, I believe it's pronounced uh, mahabajian which is a collection of medieval Welsh tales. And it was believed that his help was vital in basically cleaning the plow at the end of the furrows, uh, which is a very important thing in a farming culture because if you had back before we had technology that did all this, you would have a plow attached to the back of a horse and you would make furrows. And it was very important to keep those plows clean, those blades clean after you get done with each furrow to allow you to better keep those lines straight because if you kept your lines straight, you could fit more furrows into a field. Um, which is, that's, that's a whole different conversation. That's also equally fascinating in my brain for historical purposes. Um, Let's see that, that actually brings us to the Izanagi and Izanami uh, myth. Uh, basically before I hand this over to Beard, because Beard is probably a little bit more well-versed in this particular vein or genre Um, what I do know about Izanami and Izanagi is that they were the eighth pair of brother and sister gods to appear after the heaven and earth separated out of the chaos Um, and they basically created the first landmass with a spear by stirring the ocean Right, Um, and they are also responsible for just a lot of stuff, just like tons of stuff. And it's actually a really sad story, like between Mm -hmm. Izanami and Izanagi. um, Do you want me to read that one real quick, Beard? Or did you have? Okay. Uh, So basically after they created the first landmass, this is, this is from the Britannica site that I'll, I'll give you guys a link to. uh, Mm -hmm. It says that the two decided that they wished to unite. Also, often interpreted as marriage. But their first attempt at the sexual union resulted in a deformed child, Hiroko, who is it translates to leech child, uh, which is also known in later Shinto mythology as the god Ibusu. And they set him adrift in a boat. Attributing the mistake to a ritual error on the part of Izanami, who as a woman should have never spoken first, they began again and produced numerous islands and deities in the act of giving birth to the fire god Kagutsuchi or Hamasubi, Izanami was fatally burned and went to Yomi, the land of darkness. The grief stricken Izanagi followed her there, but she had eaten the food of that place and could not leave. She became angry when he lit a fire and saw her rotting and covered with maggots. A horrified Izanagi fled with a host of women and then Izanami herself in pursuit. After reaching the entrance to Yomi, Izanagi placed a stone across it, thus sealing in Izanami and breaking their union. Izanagi bathed in the sea to purify himself from contact with the dead, and as he bathed, the number of deities came into being. The sun goddess Amaratsu was born from his left eye, the moon god Sukiyomi was born from his right eye, and the storm god Susanoo was born from his nose. That's that's interesting. Uh, in the Shinto religion, Izanagi's bath is regarded to, as the founding of Harai, the important ritual purification practices of Shinto. So yes, yeah, I, yeah, I, I find very fascinating the different like body parts that mythology like chooses to focus on. So yeah, it's your storm God, because I guess it comes from your nose. I got, I find that really interesting.
2: Well, I gotta say for a good majority of like, uh, if you go from, like, place to place and whatnot, they focus on different parts of the body and different rites as well. Mm-hmm, true. Uh, in in particular, like, Norse focus so much on the eyes, thanks to Odin and whatnot, especially. Uh, but if you look further into, uh, like, the Japanese, of course, they'll... Uh, as Some will probably look at me funny for this one all the same, but, like... Uh, the, the Yakuza stories and whatnot about taking fingers and so on, mm-hmm. uh, that's because they're just very important extremities. You know, you, you screw up, and that's basically what it comes down to. You effectively kind of lose a finger. Well, it's the um, same
0: as the Middle East practice of mm-hmm. taking a hand for thieving.
2: Yep, yep. Like I say, it's just you you do something that is counter to your master, to his will, or something to that effect, and you're going to lose something. Uh, if you're an affront to the gods, you're going to lose something, uh, just, just stuff of that nature that, uh, uh, until you get into Taoism a little bit more, where things are a little bit more laid back, uh, (laughs) it's not quite as, uh, quite as open as it possibly could be. Uh, granted, Confucianism is still about this, the striving to be better and for betterment and so on anyway, but, uh, I, I digress. what you summed up though between the two of them really kind of summates the whole basic understanding between them. Uh, there's there's of course more to the story, but if I start getting into more of the story, uh, I think we're going to be here for a lot longer than probably intended. But for you know what we're concerned with with Izanami and Izagami, uh, both of them are are just about like the the creation and uh, the death of life and so on uh which quite frankly if you need uh i think a very good representation of the entire story behind all of that just go watch princess mononoke uh haya miyazaki basically crafted almost the entirety of that story based off of uh that entire function like how much does does our will and how we strive and so on bandage into that of life itself uh, and that's why creation, and funny enough, of course, they use a, a forge within Princess Mononoke as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that entirety is just based off of the entire, that entire function of uh, that whole story. So really just kind of summing up like the, the basis, I think, is is frankly enough for that uh, without getting too far into the story. Uh, and again, so many other uh, tales kind of spurned from that. Uh, as I mentioned, with Masamune and uh, Masamune, uh, both of those being created by uh, by legendary swordsmiths. Uh, so yeah, just just a very important tale for Japan as a whole, uh, but more so for uh, East Asia culture, especially. Uh, but yeah, it's it's quoted con- uh, continues to be quoted like day in day out by by many other either animes or otherwise uh, uh another one granted is uh a, a little bit deeper but uh if anybody remembers bife going on about the uh the creation of the isle in monster hunter when he was on that's another basis you know there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of others that kind of fit back into it uh anyway before i can keep going on this yeah it, it's just it, it's that important of a tale because it shows itself in so many different ways
0: Yeah, and to kind of uh, explain the exchange that Bife and Deej had uh, about Mm -hmm. the quote about the 1000 and then 1500, that was, uh, it took place after uh, Izanagi escaped from, I believe the full name is Yomi no Kuni, I believe is the full full term for the underworld. Um, But after he escaped from Yomi and had sealed that entrance, izanami basically threatened izanagi saying that she would kill a thousand people every day and his rebuttal or his reply was that he would father one thousand and five hundred children for every thousand she killed uh and then after the, after this it's said that izanagi for pronounced the formula of divorce uh and then he went and purified himself uh by you know taking uh, by cleansing himself uh, from mm-hmm. the what's described as the miasma of Yomi no Kuni, mm-hmm. so that that was that's where that that particular exchange that you if you follow by for Deej or anyone on Twitter or you're on Twitter at all, um, that particular quote that's where that kind of comes in is after uh, Izanagi had been sent to the underworld and had eaten, which is very Persephone and Hades esque, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, which you'll see a lot of. You know, like I said, you're going to see a lot of parallels here. Um, after that, edit, I that exchange.
2: That's...
0: Sorry, no, no, no. Go, go for it. Go for it. Uh,
2: I think that's actually why they decided to choose the uh, the the cultures that they did as well. Like yeah, just, uh, they're very inter- the they're Islam. very
0: interchangeable. Yeah. Um, Extremely. The other, the other thing that like really they, strikes they me least... is Izanami is very Orpheus. Yeah. Uh, the the whole story is very very. Uh, Orpheus like um uh which you know that's uh, we have a direct nod to Orpheus with the uh, Orpheus rigs um yep. and so Izanami is very much presented in that that light as well and they, even that entire exchange between Izanagi and Izanami uh is it's much more um dark and much more violent than the Orpheus myth uh, but the 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 overall concept of don't look back and escaping the underworld uh and not being able to rescue the 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 wife that the the hero was searching for is very similar um now the ending is very different because orpheus obviously did not divorce himself from uh i just blanked on his wife's name Uh, And actually ended up getting himself killed because he was in such a depressed state, whereas Izanami went on to, you know, kind of divorce from Izanagi to the point where he also was in basically in direct confrontation to her destructive Mm -hmm. nature. His creative nature would try to overpower that destructiveness, Um, which is also another interesting thing that the forge is Izanami and it's not Izanagi. Uh, so Izanami is the creative force that is overpowering the, isn't the Izanagi, the destructive force. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so again, kind of going back into that forge there, you're actually looking at a creation. You're looking at something that is creating, even though it's creating something that is going to be destroyed or is going to be destructive, it is still introducing something new, uh, which is a really, really cool name thing there. That
2: still, I think, comes back down to also the the build, if you will, of Black Armory and Henriette's uh, original motives for creating it, because she wanted to have a force for like life more than anything, because she again just felt that the Traveler wasn't going to be the thing to do it. Uh, same with all of the others that uh, that kind of came together for said uh, Black Armory. Uh, I know that dips a little bit more into the uh, papers a little bit, but the the ideas behind it is just like here is what we are attempting to create and attempting to do for humanity as a whole and what we continue to strive for on a typical basis is for that creation of life and whatever that may entail if it is just a uh just a creation of items that can be used for protective good uh or if it is a thing that can be uh you know, as as kind of it turned into, as we sort of know from the later days of the collapse, uh, more into a destructive measure, uh, and that's the that's the dichotomy. Again, that's that's the the whole force of what we're kind of talking about here is that dichotomy of what weapons are kind of all about. Uh, God, plenty of other stories that deal with that topic, all the same. <laughs> but uh, well, just to no. kind of translate that a little more
0: and the interesting thing dino brought this up in chat too is izanami is the forge and one of the yeah. weapons that izanami is a, is attached to is izanagi's burden which is the sniper rifle yep. so we do have that 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 um uh i don't know if dichotomy is the right word for it but i feel like it is um that give and take relationship there present as well
2: yeah yeah i'll go with give and take that's uh that's a that's a very well way to put it I think.
0: And then I believe oh no, Tear of Izanami is the is the emblem. Tear of Izanami. So, yeah, yeah. So. Um and so I, that really that brings us to Vlunder and now Vlunder I had, i had mentioned is a really fascinating one and let me pull this up because I had so much fun reading about Vlunder. Um mostly because Vlunder is is not a deity. He's He's just a nope. he's just a blacksmith who like dude. He, he is. But then, like, I keep getting the sense that he's like a demigod as well mm. because of some of the stuff that he pulls off. So, yeah. uh, again, this is this he's is a, actually a great house. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. He's freaking awesome is what he is. And depressing is Oh, get out. But, um, yeah. so the, the story that I'm going to read right here is actually from a site called Pantheon.org. Uh, it's another, it's a, it's a, it's like it's, it's part of the Encyclopedia Mythica website, uh, group. I'll, I'll include the link for you guys as well. If you guys have any other links, as always, give me a shout and I'll put them up on the show notes. Um, So Volunder is described as a legendary master blacksmith. He is attested in the Edic poem, uh, which is based. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Uh, The poems. uh, Let's just do that. The Edic poems. I
2: said the same thing. (laughs) I
0: don't even recognize some of these letters. I'm just going to put that there. Um, so Valander and his brothers Egil and S- Slagfjor, I believe, is the pronunciation there, were the sons of a Finnish king. Like I've said, they've each married a Valkyrie, uh, and then their wives disappeared after nine winters. Um, so they're they've been married for about nine years, and then their wives just disappear. Uh, so his brothers set out to pursue him, but Valander stays behind in a in a location called Ulfdalir, which translates into Wolfdale's, uh, to await his wife's return. Uh, and while he was waiting he fashioned 700 rings from red gold and strung those on ropes of bast and so so he's he's busy goldsmithing basically uh mm-hmm. he's keeping keeping himself busy uh however a king <laughs> finds <laughs> out that he's doing this and comes after his gold and he's basically searching for him and then he finds out that uh Volunder is Basically, home alone. He he he's, he doesn't have his brothers with him. So the king, uh, I believe it's Nud, Nud Nid, Nidudru. Nid, I don't even know. Nidu. Nidu. Let's just go with Nidu because that's all I'm gonna go. Uh, he sends all his warriors to the Smith's home. There they they found all the rings, but they only took one, leaving the rest behind. So he had been out hunting, and when he comes home. He, he returns home from hunting, he counts the rings, and he finds one is missing. And his first thought is that his wife had returned and taken it. So he waited, but, but then he fell asleep. And when he woke up, the Nadir's men had returned and kidnapped him. So this goes on, and they basically bring him to their king. Uh, he, the king gives his daughter the golden ring, and then he, the king, takes Vlunder's sword. And this is like the best reaction ever is described in verse 16 of this poem. And it's, it's quote is his teeth. He shows when the sword he sees and Bolvid's ring, he recognizes threatening on his eyes as a glistening serpents let be severed his sinew's strength and set him then in Svastad. So Vlunder was hamstrung and then imprisoned on the smile island of uh, Svastad. And basically, while he was in prison there, he was basically told that he had to forge all these jewelries for Nadir. And so he he was forging all these jewels, and no one was allowed to visit him, save the king. And after the time, after some years, he had managed to pursue two of the king's two youngest sons to come visit him alone, uh, basically promising them gold. And they, <laughs> so he promises them gold. If they come back and so they come back and he cuts off off their heads and then hides their bodies under the bellows which is part of the forge and then their skulls he takes and he sets them in silver and sends them to the king and from their eyes he takes their eyes and fashions gems and then gives them to the king's wife and then their teeth he f- bakes into two brooches and gives them to the king's daughter who who was the one who had gotten the ring and so and this is kind of just fair warning this kind of gets graphic um so the daughter comes to the island because her ring the ring that she they had stolen is uh broken and she needs it repaired and Vlundur basically knocks her out with alcohol um and then has his way with her and, and like this is just this is only in Norse mythology does this make any sense um so bludir who is now pregnant with his child flees uh, and then, so the king manages to track down Volunder and ask what becomes of his two young sons. And in response, Volunder makes the king swear that no matter what, he will not harm his wife, the Valkyrie. Once he gets that oath, he then proceeds to tell the king precisely what he had done to his family. And then, laughing in the king's face, vengeance complete, he uses a pair of wings that he had designed while he was trapped on this island. And escapes. He just flies away. And that's the end. Like I, was just like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> like I said, this guy is like, like reading this, this myth was just like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is the weirdest thing. This is like every Norse mythology. If you want to read some really interesting ones, go read the stories of Loki and Thor. Like, it's just... They're weird, but they're entertaining, and especially if you can get a hold of, like, the actual poetry, it's just, I don't know, like, they had such a really interesting way of presenting this stuff. Um, so, yeah, but volander in the long long story short, he's, he's a master smith, so it makes sense that we have a forge named after him, right?
2: No, that's uh, that's the only thing he's really good at, right? Just the Master yeah, Smith yeah. up, get
0: up. He can make stuff out of everything, because apparently he can make gems out of eyeballs. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty nifty.
2: So that's where Odin's eye went.
0: <laughs> no, Odin's oh gosh. Yeah, Odin's eye. That's a whole I'm different kidding.
2: story. I'm just kidding. I know.
0: <laughs> I just I just to make a joke and trigger some of, people. He's kind of an a hole. <laughs> Gee,
2: might be why uh, people don't well, like I mean, Helga all okay, that much. But I to wonder. be fair,
0: to be fair, I mean, like, in slight defense of his a-holeness on this, like, this was all done in, re- in like, reaction to his his stuff being stolen, him being kidnapped, and then they hamstring him in and put him on an island and force him to be their, their basically slave sm- Like, I mean, all this stuff is done to him, and after all this is done for it to him then he starts reacting his revenge like it wasn't until they actually did all this stuff that and then they actually imprisoned him and i think that was kind of to me that's kind of what seemed to be the final straw was yeah. they actually imprisoned him which means that they that he could not get to his wife yeah like uh pins is also pointing out that Volander is also known as wayland uh which you know that's a whole different...
2: Also known as what, sorry? Wayland. Oh, yeah. Like, Wayland
0: Wayland the Smith. And...
2: Uh-huh, which, uh, don't get me on that. <laughs> thinking of another Wayland-type uh, instance here that everybody is probably thinking of as well. What? No.
0: No, replicators? What? Which, um...
2: which is also interesting, because, of course, where did
0: Helga come from? Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway... Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Which brings me actually to kind of talk about the emblems that we see. Uh, So we have the emblems that we have are Gofanon's Hammer, Might of Lunder, Steel of Burgusia, and Tear of Izanami. Um, Which actually, you see this in the mythology between these these four individuals, or these four entities, I guess would be the best word for it. it kind of it kind of lines up, right? You have the tear of Izanami, uh, which is the sorrow of the loss of Izanagi, uh, the steel of Bergusia. Uh, from what we know about Bergusia being a being affiliated with the the craft deity, uh, you know, being affiliated with the consort of a god of the smiths, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Vlunder, the might of Vlunder. I mean, geez go back 5 minutes and listen to that story again they's they're, got some he's got some might um and then gofanon's hammer again gofanon is the the divine smith you know it's it's very obviously the smith smithing is very prevalent obviously here within the forges being named after these specific deities or figures in mythology but that that actually brings me really to the Niobe labs and the mythology between Niobe. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything final for Vlunder tying back uh, into the specific forge unit itself. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys, if beard or green, if you had anything that stood out to you for that.
2: Mm, Not entirely. I mean, what should be kind of pointed out, I guess, with uh, Valunder as as part of like the area that it's in too, uh, it's the one that also has a lot of those uh, hidden uh, messages and whatnot hanging around.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which
2: oh yeah, to get the emblems. Yep. Well, and now isn't isn't
0: a... that the one with the 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 lockbox? Yeah. Yes.
1: There's a lockbox that's sure uh, kind of off to the... Like, the bridge that you cross It's broken when you initially go in, it's below and to the right of it a little ways.
2: Yep. And I'm working on that as we speak. But nice. yeah, it's, uh, it is one of those uh, big differences about it versus the other forges because I don't think that that stuff is anywhere else. Uh, it's literally only found with the... Uh, with the Valunder Forge, which is a there as a mainstay, I'm kind of interested on that one on why that is. But
1: there is another like there's another code type thing to mm-hmm. unlock the so you have the exotic box that you get from Ada, yeah, or mm-hmm. working to unlock. The there's another thing you unlock from Gafanon. yeah, um, but it's not as extensive as the Boulder. Which yeah. I want to know if the the message that we use to unlock the emblems, if there's something to it besides just the letters. Because
2: well, what we, is yeah, I wonder. is
0: the volander Because Volander is where you get Hammerhead, right?
2: Yes. Hammerhead? Yeah.
0: Is Hammerhead the one that if you look down, if you ads, you can see the coat the the yeah. symbols. Okay. For
1: one of them. Because you actually have to use the sniper for another one. And I'm
0: assuming Izanagi's burden is to Izanami's forge, right?
1: Mm, I don't know. Um, you use the... What sniper I have? The Ternta... What is it called? Blow it up real quick. Uh, the oh,
0: Ter- you're... Tatara. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you not use... the, not Izanagi's burden.
1: No, you don't no. use that one. You use the Tatera <laughs> gaze to do this one of the emblems. And then case. there's a third one that you'd use but I don't I didn't have it when somebody actually drugged me through and got all the emblems for me I was just uh, like thanks uh, Dino
0: Dino gave us a hammerhead Tatera's gaze and the spiteful fang.
1: there you go okay
0: thank you Dino that uh, Dino actually just also gave me a, a little little tidbit uh there's a <clears throat> man excuse me <clears throat> volunder's emblem has a variant design and that air, that design is called the vengeance of volunder <laughs> Interesting. It's a it's a deadly thing. But yeah, and I believe if I remember correctly, the symbols, at least I know from the hammerhead, they were um uh, quotes from the Po Pro poetic edda. edda? Was it the Poetic Edda? Okay. Yeah. Which is just really They're cool. Large, I I I love, love seeing that type yeah. of stuff.
1: Myron's vision. Has a quote too, which is the. I want to say it's the Izanami emblem, but I have to. I'd have to double check to see which one it's from.
0: Uh yeah. Dino just gave us Vengeance of Valundra, Gofannon's Fire, and the Blood of Izanami, are all the variants. Which nice. that makes sense. That makes sense. Again. So again, I mean, just tying back into these, like, just these awesome myths with these different forges I I really really appreciate and really love seeing this type of kind of nod to to actual mythology in games um and that and that really kind of brings me to, that brings me to the Neobi Labs and Project Neobi um so real quick in regards to destiny before I get into the really fun one about the mythology Uh, Project Niobe was a project that allied the Black Armory with Clovis Bray. Uh, And basically, the idea was to bring Exoscience Project to Earth at last. And eventually, the entire project was basically to create a device called the Obsidian Accelerator. Uh, this this object was originally actually contained within the exo body of Ada-1. Um, and before her death, however, Henriette removed the device in an attempt to save Ada-1 from Risen, who sought the power that it held. Um, and so we kind of see this kind of bittersweet story being laid out in the Black Armory papers. And I really encourage you guys, if you haven't read it, go to Ishtar and read them. Because it is, mm-hmm. I, I just, I remember reading it through the first time. And it's it's such a gut punch. Like it just there're so many emotions going into that that story. It was really well done. Um
2: it's definitely one you want to read again as well.
0: Oh gosh, uh, yeah.
2: It's a it's a very well told story. Granted, it pulls from a lot of uh different areas, but uh it is it's a very well done one. If you guys have not read it yet and you're looking for something to kind of wind down with after the, uh, now that the the holidays are kind of getting there. Uh, that is easily one to kind of take a look at for sure. Uh, and they're, they're completely out on the internet. Uh, you can, you can find them 100%. They're not spoiler territory anymore. Uh, you right. can even go and get them all at this point too. If you have the, uh, you have the expansion and you want them. So yep. there is that.
0: Uh, it's, it's the best thing that I can relate it to is uh, I think Icehawk mentioned it too. Uh, It's very similar to The Road, if you guys haven't read that story. uh, I really encourage you, actually, to read it. It, That's another story that is very... I will be 100% transparent. Very difficult to read um, Mm -hmm. because of the emotions that are involved in it. Uh, But amazing, amazing piece of work. Um, Yes. Uh, So... That bring and and to be to be also clear, we do not have access to the Obsidian Accelerator in game currently. So that that piece of I think Dino referred to it as Ada's superpower. Um, that particular piece of equipment is not currently accessible. Uh, it's a possibility that we will see that being brought back, but we don't know yet. Uh, it
2: still brings up the question of who the heck has it.
0: Right, yeah. I mean like because the last we see of it, we don't know that yet. Um and yeah, and chat right now is talking about uh Ada's response when you finally do collect all the pages in game because the final page is actually a letter to Ada and it's uh it's very very cool little little conclusion, I guess, wrapping up closure. Yeah.
2: You you say cool, I say punch. Well, the I mean,
0: you know, I, yeah, I mean, right. I, mean, I measures to that. <laughs> to be fair, I described initially it as a punch in the gut. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's not like it. It's nice to see that type or that closure element involved right. because right now we don't have a lot of that closure in in a lot of these stories, and so we. And, and to be fair, it's not a hundred percent closed. You know, right? It's just. No. It's an acknowledgement of loss and it's acknowledgement of the, the, the pain and the suffering that this particular character did go through. And I think the cool thing that the Black Armory Papers do uh, and really the Black Armory in general does is it takes it takes the perspective of humanity during the collapse and it, right. and it presents the picture that we have kind of been given and kind of seen from various different guardians and risen uh and and, you know, people of note within the city. We've all seen this stuff. We've all been given this information from this particular perspective. And now we're giving we're being given another perspective. We're kind of being given a, a different angle of the events and a a grittier angle really, mm-hmm. you know, I mean the, the events in the paper kind of don't, I mean, it explains why Ada has the reaction she does to us in the beginning of the black armory. Uh, you're right. I don't really want to call it expansion, but the, the, the story that gets mm-hmm. introduced there,
2: you can, you can call it an expansion. It's fine. It pretty much is. It's an end
1: game expansion.
2: Yeah. Well, right. The joke right. was also already made that, uh, It's, uh, it's, it's longer than, than Warmind in some cases with the, uh, with some of the missions that were. As far as the grind, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say the grind is longer than, than Warmind itself, which I find funny. Even, even considering the time gating and whatnot, like I, I still think it's a, a very well done expansion. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to just call it that. Anyway, I'm getting completely off topic. Right. Here. And
0: then and the chat chat and Dino and chat and are talking about, you know, the the other thing that this does is it gives us a, an actual first person account of what's going yep. on. Uh yep. which I still want to know what those creatures are.
2: Uh yeah. I I like, yeah. I, I have my I theory, I...
0: but then like my theory got pushed aside. <laughs> like there were different theories.
2: Yeah, there's there's plenty of plenty of good little theories you can you can go off there. I don't know. There's a there's a couple of reports I can think back on that uh, make me uh, make me think on what it might be. But mm-hmm. uh, that might be that might be uh, that might be just me. I don't know. <laughs> well, probably, hey, before we not.
0: before we wrap up the forge, you did say you had some spin foil thoughts on the forges. Did you mm-hmm. want to yeah. drive okay. into that real quick? All right.
2: You uh, you want me to do that? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of them is kind of simplified. Um, one of them is taking things at face value. Uh, I had to, uh, I had to look at a certain enemy type before I came to this conclusion, but it was like almost immediately the connection was made, and it was with the, uh, it was with the the. Lizanami uh forge that i that i had kind of thought about this uh there's the ha, have the, uh, I, I think that both of you have seen like what the forges look like and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, ada even has one of course hanging up in her uh in her room which i find is kind of funny uh that she has an inactive one or at least the bl- blueprints prototype for one uh just hanging there so it's very easy to like look at this thing and spot it the uh, problem is is that there's this other, like I said, enemy type that uh, exists that I find funny that they don't really want to associate themselves with uh, Clovis Bray on. Thinking back on another group that really didn't want to consult with or bring themselves together with Clovis Bray too much. And again, it ties all together. Uh, I'll stop beating around the bush so much here. The creature that I am referring to is uh is a is a oh my god is a harpy? If you look at a harpy when it's in stationary style where it's just kind of like looking up at the sky or whatnot its wings kind of opened and sort of pointed down mm-hmm. flip it upside down and you have a forge
1: okay, I'm following you
2: so I am wondering if. They didn't have some kind of Vex tech that they took from for the black armory, which would also tie in with some of the weaponry that uh, also kind of exists uh, within how uh, like hammerhead and whatnot is kind of utilized. Uh, it's hard to see, but when you, when you go to reload Hammerhead, you flip up the, the top of the gun. Uh, or actually flip back, I'm sorry. Uh, and then inside there's like a, a coil. And that coil almost reminds me very much of what we had actually seen a little bit with, uh, Abaddon. Uh, and then also with Nova Mortis. I also look at the base design for Hammerhead. Uh, and of course the frame itself is, uh, is, is still very Thunderlord, which granted it's a, it's an LMG. Of course, they're going to look somewhat similar. Right. Uh, but I am wondering in some regard, in some, some way, shape, or form, if uh, they don't have some kind of connection with some sort of Vex tech, or that wasn't in any way intentional. Uh, but that, that initial design kind of piqued my interest. It would also give reason for why the Vex are kind of interested in them, because they're the only uh, race that I can think of, or species I can think of, that it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would be very interested in the Black Armory Forges for at all. Uh, they're this weird, malignant thing that's kind of sitting on Nessus that they're trying to integrate, uh, and they end up protecting it instead. I just, I, I found the, the means behind that very weird for why the Vex would do that. Uh, so I'm wondering if they don't see it as some type of... Some type of vex tech that is somewhat integrated with different systems, which still pans back to how again Ada's created and so on as well, uh, because she's not the she's the black armory version of an exo. She's not an exo as what we're used to seeing. So Ada herself is also a bit of an affront to the typical notions of what we have seen day in day out. Right uh and I think that's also a reason her entire existence I think is, is questionable, like how she's able to get past things like uh, DER as much as she is, being that she is still eight to one at this point. Uh and I think that has a lot to do with the uh the the ways that uh that she was kind of constructed and put together. Uh and again if it's a culmination of Vextech versus like Hive technology, in a way, with the way that they kind of utilized the uh, how, how possibly Exo Clovis Bray Exo were utilizing uh, some of the world's grave technology, if you will, mm-hmm. and the Black Armory were utilizing some things for how Vex were built up and whatnot, which is funny because I think that's why I like the Black Armory a little bit more because they have like some. Silly, weird relation. It feels almost to uh, to the future horror cult. Uh, but anyway, that's that's kind of my my main spin foil for that. I, it's all just a, a visual joke, if you will. But uh, it's the the best visual joke I can kind of think of.
1: The thing that I was having a conversation with some of the clan members about was the whole. Ada, you kind of sort of mentioned it with her avoidance of having to do any sort of resets, the fact that she is mm-hmm. Ada 1.
2: Right. Well, the debate... I, I, I think that that has to do a lot with the basis in DER and how she is put together, et cetera. Um, if, you guys, if you guys are not picking up on it, you'll figure this stuff out in the Black Armory uh, papers, but uh, if you want to avoid any kind of spoilers here, then then skip through it. Um okay, I think I've given enough time. The main idea of course is that she was a kid and her main uh her main being may very well have been scrapped uh or she just had questions based on like how she was but in addition to that she was also comatose. Right. So we don't know what kind of memory degradation may have happened being that she was in her comatose state. Uh, she got hit on the head pretty significantly, in fact. Uh, so I don't know. That's the, the questions that I've kind of been having, too, is, like, why she was able to. Well, one uh, of the... It's probably a mix between her being young and, of course, the, the comatose.
1: Well, I was actually... One of the theories that we were talking about is the fact that they used... We were talking about how uh, was it Helga wanted to incorporate Black Armory technology into the Clovis Braytech. Mm-hmm. The theory that we were coming up with was it's quite possible that they improved upon the exotech essentially by incorporating the black armory tech into it.
2: Right. And basically made a better exo than what even Clovis Bray did. Yeah. But the ideas of better exo comes down to being a better tool. Right. Uh, that's really where that kind of culminates in the, the whole gray, excuse me, gray area of the, um, yeah, the the whole gray area with exos in general, right. uh, but they they really just kind of grab that idea and run with it. Uh, they they go completely amuck with it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thinking on it too. Like they they're creating it through knowledge of what they've uh, done with the black armory, and of course, having the obsidian accelerator placed inside of Ada might have a little something to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have a lot to do with how she's able to not go through the functions or so on of DER or have to suffer through it. Uh, it could also be that it was a product of the rush job that they needed to do with Niobe and whatnot, uh, that they they didn't really have a lot of time to, to do anything. Uh, but I, I think we do get confirmation here as well about the base creation of at least Ada uh unless it was helga's remains that were buried within the black armory papers uh that the human self does not exist after uh an exo is created as well i think that that's uh at least half confirmed at this point i don't want to call it confirmed but it feels like it's pretty well confirmed right uh but yeah i i think with the creation of ada just in general just the way that she is of course uh as an exo there are plenty of of speculated thoughts that you can have on her creation as a whole uh, i'm just wondering if there isn't again some kind of it just the way that ada looks the way the forges are put together uh the way that there is a thing called the obsidian accelerator and that you're pretty well accelerating time structures Makes me wonder if a good majority of the stuff that they have within the Black Armory is in some way, shape, or form related to Vex technology in some way. Uh, there are too many visual cues that kind of uh, showcase it. The base looks of each of the Black Armory crests also kind of go along with a lot of uh, Vex imagery. Uh, there's just a lot of like this little, these little handholds and pass offs that I think have been happening with. Uh, Black Armory that possibly showcase a link up with tech more than anything else, but I don't know. It's a, it's a thought. Yeah, it's a thought.
1: I like how it leads into more questions.
2: Yep, because it it also still too with something else that I've mentioned before. And if you've been on the show for a little while now, you know where I'm kind of going with this as well. But like Dido uh, being the suppliers of civilian weaponry, being a large, reminiscent idea for me for for ages now, and we come to find that a good majority may have actually been supplied from these forges and the Black Armory and so on, Uh, kind of opens up the doors to, like, a a bit of a turf war, if you will. Uh, It also still makes up uh, a a large question of, like, some of the the other creations that exist within uh, the Black Armory with the weaponry and so on that we see, like, Graviton Lance, uh, for example, was made, I think, in uh, or found in uh, the Chicago Dead Zone. I don't have it on me, so I can't remember off the top of my head. It's either Chicago or Detroit. I can't remember. But uh, the construction of that weapon seems very similar to a good majority of the construction that we see with uh, some of the black armory weapons in general. Uh, Again, I lean back towards like uh, Kindled Orchid and Hammerhead and their overall construction. Uh, Them playing with the Void, them playing with Arc, them playing with Solar uh, before they were even realistically a factor in how, um, as he says, sounds like Detroit. Uh, Them playing with these elements as like a factor as they are before we have Guardians and before we have Risen and so on, uh, kind of just says that they had a better handle on the, the element's status of what the Traveler brought us without having to utilize the Traveler, uh, which still pans back to other thoughts that perhaps the break-off unit of the Arcology had some link-up with what was going on with the Black Armory as well. Uh, like the Black Armory could be could be any number of uh, relations back to how humanity was trying to grow, but it could have just been a a a cog in the wheel versus the actual thing that moved all the pieces. Uh, yeah. If we if we look at uh, you know again like the Yang La Wei and what I was saying before and kind of hinting at. Uh, it's quite possible that the Yang Lai Wei had a good major, uh like a, a few of these black armory forges on it. And if they were able to construct a lot of these, uh, of the weapons that they had for the Awoken from these black armory forges, then they can also carry on and do what they need to. They're also not a product of the Traveler. They're a product of humankind. They could have gotten loaded onto the thing. Uh, there's There's all these little bits and pieces that They've had their hands in, and I think that's what fascinates me so much about them. Uh, it's that they were a group within the Collapse that we didn't know about until recently because they chose to keep themselves hidden, and there's really only one member left out of this entire organization. Uh, it could also explain why some of the other weaponry that we have, like Amelon or Vice or whatnot, also comes to fruition and comes and, and pops up out of nowhere uh they are they are able to utilize these technologies that they found in these weapons that they weren't able to decode or figure out previous and it turns out that most of them are actually created and and meshed with thanks to black armory it really is kind of that missing link that's why i think that this uh, whole expansion is so uh so important as it kind of is uh which is ironic cuz i think that this is almost like as like a a history lesson or a bridging point I would argue to say that this is more important than a good majority of the stuff that we've gotten recent.
1: I would agree with that. I mean, there's still a lot of really important stuff, but this is the most revealing when it comes to humanity right at the collapse, essentially. Yeah. I can't wait till we actually dive into the papers themselves.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I, I've been skirting around that a little bit too much here, I think tonight, but, uh,
1: uh yeah. I mean it's hard to talk about the Black Armoury without talking about Ada and the papers are all about Ada in yep. some ways. So If you haven't read them yeah. you should.
2: It's it's worth it. I yes. uh I I I kind of feel like I needed to leave those there were four books that were unreleased and I feel like that, that was the one that I wanted to leave for last.
1: Mm-hmm. because
2: it had i think the greatest impact on me as i was reading it
1: the other there thing is been... is it's
2: not a difficult book to read no it's it's fairly straightforward uh i like how the the breakdown is within the book itself like they have different entry points mm-hmm. so it's really easy to just go from like entry 1 entry 2 entry 3 within those uh within those uh yeah within the the lore entries themselves Uh, So it kind of helps. It also helps with the way that like time is formulated. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure how long that period of time is because there's actually a a a portion where
1: missing too.
2: Yeah, well, there's also like a lot that like Henriette uh, just kind of like let go for a while. She didn't report back or talk about anything for a bit. Mm -hmm. So like we're we're still kind of contemplating on age, but. It confirms a lot of things about like how the risen uh, started to appear, uh, and and how like the the days right after the collapse had started, how some of that went down. So if you've been looking for a lot of those questions to be like partially answered or against bridge points, this is the book to read. Uh, I think that's what has me as excited about it as it does. Uh, it's just the amount of information that we have that you can kind of like start to piece through and pick at, uh, that really makes me wonder how much further they want to go with it or Mm -hmm. how much further we may get along with it. Uh, and in addition to that, I really hope that they make Ada a, a a mainstay character, uh, as we go into destiny three or anything else that pops up, uh, just because I really do think that she's a, a very worthwhile character as a whole Uh, has a lot that she can still teach us and offer us, uh, especially story-wise. But just like the Black Armory, how everything's put together, I really hope they continue with this. Uh, And I I don't think I am alone in that regard.
0: I don't think you are. But I also think that that might be a good place to start wrapping up.
2: I think so, too. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, like to be clear, also for everyone, this was meant to be a summary episode too. So you know, we we definitely we're still learning about the Black Armory. Um, obviously, in game, we're still learning and being shown new pieces every, pretty much every week. It feels like. Um, yeah. So I definitely, definitely expect us to come back to the Black Armory. And like I said, there is an option on the polls to go over the Black Armory pages, which I know like green and beard have just been kind of going back and forth for here recently. It's, it's, it's a big, big subject right now. Cause it's kind of, it's a fresh, fresh introduction to a new, new way of looking at the information that we have. Um, but I guess real quick guys, do you guys have any shout outs for, for this last week or this, this episode? Green
1: beard. Go first.
0: Oh, okay. beard.
2: Uh, major one is honestly happy new year uh it is as we are recording this now it has turned for me uh to new year's eve so i hope you all have an absolutely safe and wonderful uh new year uh if you are going to be under the influence please be do so responsibly and so on or rather you'll hear this after the fact but you know what i mean uh but i hope that you guys had a had a great new year uh and for those live you know be safe be be careful etc uh, I feel like people do dumb things around this time of year just because they think that they can, and that's really not the case. Uh, but anyway, the, the other thing too is, uh, you know, as we're kind of winding down with this year, uh, I I don't personally do uh, a lot of like New Year's resolutions and whatnot. I I really do think they're kind of stupid. But one thing that I do at least I'm, I'm not saying you're stupid if you follow them. By the way, like if you can keep to them, great. I just I feel like if you're going to do something, do it for yourself, not do it on a day. Uh, anyway, just to explain myself a little bit on that one, um, what I what I typically do though is I sit back and I count my blessings on everything that's happened over the past year, uh, and I would say that this is probably one of the most uh, blessed years that I have had in quite a long time uh last year was was a big one with kind of like starting out the channel and uh you know getting involved here a little bit more but uh outside of like some of the woes and and issues that i've had uh 2018 kicked me in the teeth and punched me in the gut i think a little bit more often than i would have liked it to uh but i'm still here i still have my family uh my dog is in relatively good health uh i have somebody else that i am absolutely enjoying their company uh there are so many things that actually came out of 2018 that were wonderful uh and i hope that you guys can kind of sit back and do the same thing to just kind of collect your thoughts and kind of going into the new year uh sit back and kind of think about what it is that you that you hope will still be with you uh and to make it happen as you as you go along as well just uh yeah just just you know typical thing that i almost always have but be good to each other uh sit back and think about what it is that uh, you wanted to change over 2018 make little steps make make big steps make whatever things you think of but uh just be safe and happy in 2019 guys
0: great great shout out i love it green what about you
1: Uh, we're still kind of echoing the beard a little bit. We're still in a very stressful season for a lot of people. And so if there are people you, one, I hope that you are not stressed and that you are finding ways to de-stress that are safe and, and good and reaching out to people if you need to. But the other thing is if you are somebody who is not as stressed as others, um, reach out to somebody, that you may not have talked to in a while because sometimes those kind of reach outs help de-stress them a little bit and just let them know that other people are looking out for them and keeping an eye on them a little bit. Even if it's just a, Hey, how's it going? How's your day been type stuff? It really makes a big difference in a lot of people's lives whenever they are just feeling alone. And this is that time of year where a lot of people tend to feel alone. so. That's more of my shout out is just if you are not somebody who generally uh, reaches out to somebody, just pick one person, mom, dad, if you don't talk to them very often, sister, whoever, Mm -hmm. just drop them a note or just message them or something real quick. It doesn't have to be a 45 minute long conversation. Even something simple and small can make a big difference.
2: Yep, Five minutes is sometimes enough just to, remind somebody that they're cared for quite mm-hmm. frankly.
0: All right guys. And and like, they, like I guess beard and green have both covered all the shout outs that I was going to give you guys. So basically from us to you, we hope you guys have had a great Uh, holiday season. Hope you guys, by the time you hear this on the podcast, it will be 2019. So welcome to the new year. Hope you guys are having a great year so far. Um, and we will be talking to you guys next week. I believe we're back on, we're going to try to get back on the regular schedule of Friday evenings for the live stream. Uh, I believe this week I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to maybe stream a little bit since I have some remaining free time. No promises though, uh, but I think that's gonna be one of the one of the things that I try to start working back in is a little bit of more streaming during the week if I can. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that goes. But as always, you guys have a great week you have a uh, hopefully like beard and green have already said again hope you guys have a great new year's eve and a new year it is off to a great start with you and we will talk to you guys next week with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus chat Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.